Welcome to Zscaler Pulse, a monthly podcast brought to you by the Zenith community team that is aimed at empowering our audience to better understand Zscaler products and services and the Zenith community as well as the zero trust industry. In this podcast, we're going to cover some community updates and then we're going to transition to our Zscaler product update or product pulse section, I should say. Um, full transparency, uh, I had to record this in uh, different sessions due to availability with our product managers, but we have some really fantastic conversations with Steve Grossenbach from our Endpoint DLP team, as well as from our from Sakti, who is um, product manager with our workloads team. So uh, really good conversations around Endpoint DLP and workloads, and we're going to have a continuous conversation with the workload teams because there's a lot of there's a lot of capability there that we want to make sure that we talk about. Um, so stay tuned to the, stay tuned for that. Um, from a community update perspective, um, not much that we that we can share that makes a whole lot of sense. But just know on the back end, tons of updates from an administration perspective, right? So um, automating a lot of the things that we have on the website, you know, like announcement banners. Um, we're, we're we're integrating a Slack a two way Slack integration for our um, for our SEs and our SAs so we can get more visibility from an internal perspective on a lot of these questions that are coming up on the community, um, as well as supporting and um, driving our influencers or our trailblazer program. So we want to continue to foster a strong trailblazer program here at uh, Zscaler with the Zenith community. And so we've established our own trailblazer Slack server um, where we have all of our influencers there that have direct access to myself and to Benita, and that is that they are, you know, getting getting the information live as it has it happens. Um, I'm super excited about the upcoming updates to our performance on the community. Um, I've seen in our UAT build and our sandbox build, um, I've seen in performance improvements up to 65%. So. Um, huge shout out to our internal business development team that is um you know really driving this effort uh, they are they are kicking butt and taking names along the way um so we'll 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 probably have them on the show at some point to talk about you know their journey and their experience and although you know migrating to salesforce from our discourse platform um shake things up a little bit um, it gives us a lot of capabilities to be able to um, offer a better experience from a unified profile perspective, um, a single sign-on perspective, um, tie in people's products and services. And so when we when we do things such as federated search, which is also coming up um, on our community, uh, we'll be able to surface content based off of you know what type of entitlements you have with Zscaler. Um, we'll be able to surface content and do role-based navigation based off of your profile within Salesforce. So there's a lot of cool things that, we, that we're getting ready to do. And right now we're just laying that groundwork and that framework to ensure that you, the members, um, have the best experience. So um, enough of that. Um, let's move over to the product pulse segment. Again, like I said, I've had to record this in uh, multiple sessions uh, because of availability. Um, so you'll see me wearing a different shirt. <laughs> if you're watching the video, I'll be wearing a different shirt and possibly different lighting. And I got a different microphone in the meeting. I got a haircut. So it's, it's a thing. So I apologize for the continuity interruptions, but uh, uh, hopefully that doesn't, that doesn't ruin the experience too much, but in the future, we'll try to make sure that we get a little more, uh, a little more, uh, 
aware of, of those continuity and those immersion type things to make it all seem like one big show. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and transition over to the uh, to the product pulse. So so now we're joined by Steve Grossenbacher, who is a director of product marketing here at Zscaler, and he's based out of San Jose, and he works on our data loss prevention team. Hey, Steve, how you doing? Hey, Ben, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. I'm always excited to have um, product managers on and people from the product team and from a technical resource. It always makes conversations. Um, a lot more fun. Um, I know we're here to talk about some endpoint DLP, and I was super excited to get you on the podcast because I remember back in my IT days, back in my day, <laughs> we had to do endpoint DLP, and it was always it was always a thing, right? We had to go through all these different SOWs and POCs, and we had to solve for all these different problems and install 14 different solutions. Um, so I was very interested to hear from you how Zscaler is attacking that problem and and uh, what the strategy is behind that. So uh, maybe we can start there. Um, you know, what what are we currently doing to kind of reinvigorate that renewed focus on the DLP in the in the space right now? Right. Yeah. I always try to avoid references from my past because it very quickly dates me as as been and around for quite some time. But yeah, no, you're you're absolutely correct. I mean, the question is, okay, endpoint DLP, right? I mean, it's been around forever. Why why are we talking about it and what what's what's the, the vibe with it? The the important thing to keep in mind is that once you start to think about data protection from the form of an SSE platform, uh, things kind of change, right? If you're familiar with Gartner's Security Service Edge, it's, you know, package everything up in, in a cloud, um, help uh, deliver it as a unified service from a scalable platform. Uh, data protection is a really important part of that. And when you talk to IT departments and they're trying to secure their data, a big channel is the device, the endpoint, right? So the challenge there is that, okay, I can download data to a device, right? It's, although a lot of data is in the, the cloud and it's distributed across SaaS, certainly ability for people to download data onto the device. And then you start to deal with, okay, where is that data going on that device? Is it getting copied to a USB because they just put in there two weeks and they're getting ready to go to a new job, which a lot of people do. Are they printing it um, and sharing it? Are they uh, using network shares? Uh, other thing to keep in mind is some of the applications that users use. So I'll give you an example. You might be an Office 365 shop and everything's supposed to go to OneDrive. But let's say you have a personal account with Dropbox or Box and they have the little application. They say, oh, download this and put this on your endpoint. Uh, we'll just run in the background. And they don't realize that they download corporate data. And all of a sudden it goes and runs over to the personal tenant on Dropbox. Now you have another channel where sensitive data is going to something that you don't want. The challenge with that is that application is pinned uh, on that endpoint, so it's really hard to get in there and look at that. So you really have to address that from an endpoint perspective. So a lot of um, different ways that data can uh, kind of start to walk away, and you really have to address it from the endpoint perspective, but then you also have to be prepared to roll that into um, the larger story around security service edge and say, okay, I'm going to embrace data protection, but I need to have a unified approach um, and endpoint is only uh, a part of a larger strategy to secure all your data, whether it's in motion through the cloud, in the SaaS, or um, down on the endpoints. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting you saying all these all these stories of USB or yeah. you know other cloud storage, and I remember always having to try to find a solution for that. And I don't think we ever really found a way. You know, we could see like we were a Google shop, and we can we can see if large amounts of data were being downloaded, but we didn't necessarily have the visibility to see where it was going after which, or let alone exactly what was on those pieces of of documents. So yeah, um, yeah. it's interesting to hear about you know, that because, you know, being outside of it for, for some time now, what are organizations currently are trying to do currently to solve for some of those problems um, that we're seeing with those endpoints? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, and, and just to kind of kind of tack on to our previous topic, it's it's really, I mean, some of the users, they don't know what they don't know. I mean, they, they have good intention, right? They're, they're trying to be productive. They're trying to do their job better. So they just don't really have the mindset on, okay, this may be a data risk. But to your point about what is the organization doing now? Well, if you talk to probably 10 CISOs, I would say eight of them have inherited a technology stack that was years and years old. If you think about the typical uh, architecture of a stack for any company over, let's say, 3,000 users, they probably got an inline proxy. Uh, they may have brought in a CASB because, and you know, what happens is it's a point product thing. What happens is you have a problem and then you turn to the next sh shiny tool to do that, right? So you start out with inline inspection that maybe you tack on a DLP, but then all of a sudden stuff starts moving to the cloud. So, okay, I need to address people who are sharing stuff out of a cloud. So you may bring in a CASB solution. Then you think, okay, I need email. And I need endpoint, so you might bring in semantic, or you do any anything down on the device level. Uh, and now the, the you know that the hot topic is you know posture control and how do you secure some of these platforms, you know like public structure, public infrastructure, and SaaS. They're ginormous platforms, and you want to make sure that they're configured correctly. So lots of different things that that are happening. But the thing you have to step back from is that. Uh, a lot of those technologies have DLP engines, right? So if you're going to configure a DLP engine, you don't want to have three different engines that are triggering on three different versions of a piece of data. So let's say I have a customer list and it's got address information um, that originates on the endpoint. Endpoint DLP looks at it. It goes in line through an inline DLP that looks at it. It lands on a, a SaaS platform. You right click on it and you're sharing it and there's a DLP engine there. There's three, potentially three different sources of truth for that same piece of data. The end result is you have an administrator who's looking at, you know, trying to put together a timeline of what's happening, and he's got different interpretations of that data. So it's very difficult to, uh, to actually triage incidents when you have different uh, DLP engines. Um, so you really want to be able to double down on a single DLP source and a unified approach, which is why this topic of security service edge kind of locks right into this concept around data protection. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. You know, trying to figure out, trying to isolate down exactly what it is that um, is being exposed is huge. We keep talking about time to resolution and that kind of stuff. And, you know, any type of security concern, the fastest you can respond to it is always always the best. Um, not to mention your, your analogy was actually, your example was spot on because not only could you have three different points, but you could have three, you know, one false positive, 
different profiles and configuration, not to mention updates, making sure agents are updated, making yeah. sure all these things are, are all the same, same is a, is a huge. Yeah. Task. I mean, nobody wants to pivot through three different man, man managing consoles. I mean, you come in front of you understand that like the more you can bring everything onto one platform, the better, which is why you always hear that saying, now, this is a feature of a larger platform. What typically happens in this series, you have a problem, you come out with a, a point product, and then usually what happens is that it gets absorbed into a, a platform because that's where it really needs to reside. Yeah, of course. And so really the, the, the big question now is, is you know, what makes Zscaler's DLP solution? How do we uh, tackle this problem? How do we address this from a strategy perspective and from a technical perspective? Yeah, no, great, great, great question. So again, it starts with security service edge, right? So you've got one place where you uh, configure your policy, right? So that's, uh, that's inside of Zscaler's cloud. And that is the heartbeat of everything is that centralized DLP engine. So we've got dictionaries there, custom, and you can do all the regex, all the typical things you would expect to do from a DLP engine. But now all you have to do is you have one place to do that, and then you send it hunting to different places. So for example, if you want to send it to the SaaS cloud and make sure that Steve doesn't right click on a sensitive piece of data and share it outside the organization, you use that DLP engine to identify that sensitive content. And then you have control over that. You do it in line, certainly, if Steve's trying to send a document out. So, you know what? I don't even want this to leave the device. And now you send it down to the endpoint with endpoint DLP. So that centralized policy is really extremely important when you start to unify some of these things. So endpoint DLP, again, hangs off of that. We've got that centralized policy. A couple of very cool things it does, obviously, it helps you streamline uh, your agent footprint. Right. If you can imagine all your different point products have different agents. Now you've got one agent. Everything that Zscaler does is going to be in that Zscaler client connector. So ZIA is in there, ZPA is in there, our digital experience is in there. Endpoint DLP now is part of that as well. So if you're a Zscaler customer, super easy to deploy. And even better, if you're a data protection Zscaler customer, you've got your policy already configured. You've got your agent already deployed. It's like a no-brainer just to send that down to the endpoint. What can we do, right? So we can obviously control USB drives, uh, making sure that data doesn't go on USB drives. We can control printing. Uh, we can control network shares, so make sure it doesn't move laterally. And like I talked about before, those pinned store personal storage applications like Box and Dropbox, those are challenging. So we can address that and really help you make sure that corporate data doesn't take a side trip to a personal repository. So what are the advantages, right? Like I mentioned, very quick to deploy if you're a Zscaler customer. Um, you unify policy, right? You have a single source of truth for you to do your investigations. Um, it really helps you uh, streamline operations. And the last thing, which um, kind of is outside of the scope of this, but hopefully you're familiar with is our workflow automation, right? We've got a nice story there to be able to help you work with these incidents and actually bring along users for justification. If you're not familiar with workflow automation, just really quickly allows you to take a data protection incident and assign it to a user and say, hey, Steve, I just saw you upload a sensitive piece of information. Is this justified? And then I may say, yeah, it is, but I may not even know. So you can escalate it to a compliance officer or you can escalate it to an admin to create policy. So allow you to do user coaching and people can understand you know, what they're doing wrong, and then you can actually work and triage that. So a very, very cool solution to, to deliver endpoint DLP in a very unified approach and make it really streamlined and super powerful.
that's that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. It almost yeah. seems like it's 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 just been sitting there waiting for somebody to yeah. to do it. Um, yeah, and, and it really goes around the, the security service edge. I mean, once, well, I mean, and, and you know, Zscaler has been doing this for quite some time, and then you know, Gartner coined it as security service edge, which helped kind of put a face and the name to it. But that's really where the direction is going. It's like that, that unified cloud platform allows you to do so much, uh, so much better. And it's an architecture that really allows for add-on stuff. As you start to consume more services, it makes sense to roll it into to that better platform. Absolutely. And like I said, it's, just, it's been sitting there for someone to design around it, right? And yeah. I know Zscaler, we're not the only ones thinking about this, right? A lot of people are, you know, kind of in the, in, the, in the same ballpark in the arena. So how do we differentiate? How do we win? How do we stack up? Where are we at in that landscape, Steve? Yeah, so a couple of things to keep in mind. From a legacy per perspective, some of the endpoint DLP you know, approaches, um, it can be complex to roll out. A lot of times there's different aspects of it. You have to install both on the network, on premises and in the cloud. So having a truly built for cloud, uh, from the cloud approach helps streamline things a lot. Again, I talked about that consistent learning. That really is powerful once you start to bring in the concept of Caspi and some of the things you may start to look at around posture control to have everything unified and, and kind of consolidated together is uh, is really really powerful. Certainly, that minimizing agent bloat is powerful. From some of the other SE vendors, we've got some really cool stuff that we've architected into our our product. One of the things that you really wouldn't think, but is kind of an issue, is uh, internet connectivity. A lot of the other options out there, if you disconnect from the internet or disconnect from the, the, the mothership of the, the data protection, uh, you can bypass some of these things. So uh, we have what's called an offline mode, which allows you to ensure that that inspection is going to happen no matter the connectivity status of that device. Another cool thing too is um, we have this on the inline, which is now, it was great to see that we saw it on the endpoint, this concept of using AI to really make things smarter and faster. We have AI-driven auto data detection. So as data flows through our cloud, you don't even have to configure a data protection dictionary. We automatically classify data and start to tell you, I'm seeing, um, you know, I'm seeing uh, mortgage documents, I'm seeing resumes, I'm seeing tax documents, I'm seeing customer information. So we give you all that information. On the endpoint, we're actually doing auto data discovery as well without you having to configure a policy. So once you push down the uh, endpoint DLP license or the activation on it, it starts to track data movement from the get-go. So even without having to configure a policy, it's starting to show you movement of activities between USB drives and printing stuff like that. So you very quickly, even without having to configure anything, understand you know, the footprint of your device and what type of uh, risky behaviors are happening. So that auto discovery is something that's pretty, pretty powerful too. So some very cool stuff underneath the hood um, once you start to kind of uh, look at it. Yeah, I guess my brain churning already how this works right. with my MDM solution and how this works with, you know, possibly AD and all these different things from a tactical perspective. So okay. in that note, my head's already spinning, uh, thinking about all these different things. I know a lot of people else are going to be thinking about the same stuff. So what are what, what are some resources and some some channels they can go into to either a find more information or is there a trial are there ways that they can start to yeah, explore this absolutely. solution 
Yeah, so certainly on, on our website, we, we've got all uh, relative information. If you go to thezscaler.com, you can uh, click on the protect data in our solution, and that can get you started on, on your, your journey. Uh, within there, obviously, you'll understand about everything that Zscaler does. And of course, Endpoint DLP is part of a larger platform. We obviously have CASB, we've got uh, you know, Web DLP, we can do SSPM. So lots of stuff there. I would definitely suggest go to our website to start uh, our, your, your, your journey. Um, additionally, if you are, have access to our Zenith Live, if you go on YouTube, you can check out some of our Zenith Live content. We have some new, uh, some content around there about the, this innovation. Uh, so a lot of stuff out, out there. Um, that you can kind of assume to consume to get yourself started. As far as getting started, if you're a Zscaler customer, super easy. Reach out to your account rep. They'll be more than willing to enable that. And again, it's super easy to, to kick that, that, that off because you've already got the client and the, uh, the platform installed. And of course, we, we can't forget the Zenith community as there a place go, to go and, go and talk about it and ask questions and other people can actually chime in as well. So, hey, Steve, super thank you. can't thank you enough for coming on and, and, and talking about Endpoint DLP. And, and hopefully you can stop in again and talk about other innovations that we have, because I know our audience members absolutely love it. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Steve. All right. And now I'm really happy to introduce uh, two other guests to the show. Um, I've got Sakti Chandra, who is our Senior Director of Product Marketing for our Cloud Workloads team. And he's joined, and I'm also joined by McGronk Singh, who is the Director of Product Management for Cloud Workloads. And today we want to talk about some um, enhancements and some capabilities within cloud workloads, and then also dive into some really cool, interesting um, uh, technical explanations around some of these things. Um, Sakti, uh, welcome, and McGrath, welcome. Thank you, Ben, and um, great to be here in your show, in your podcast. I'm very excited to talk to your audience about um, what Zscaler is doing to secure cloud workloads. Let me set the stage just so we can have a context for the next 20, 30 minutes. As we all know, customers are migrating workloads into a cloud environment, and that could be any one of the clouds, right? It could be Azure, GCP, AWS, Alibaba, what have you. But I don't think it is any surprise that there is a huge, huge amount of migration of workloads. And when you say workloads, it could be apps, it could be VMs, it could be any application modules in a container, serverless function, what have you. But that movement is happening now the question then becomes, how do customers secure those workloads? And in this episode, we specifically would like to maybe unpack some of the technical challenges, um, difficulties customers are facing and how a zero trust approach can really bring a new architecture, a new way of thinking, if you may, when it comes to securing those workloads. And to be very specific, we are talking about the egress traffic, right? So if you think about the classic uh, build and run, a customer has built the application, it is ready to be deployed and it's deployed and the application is now starting to come to life, meaning it's going to talk, it's gonna make the API calls, it's going to talk to other workloads, it's going to make the connections to maybe a different public cloud altogether. So that's where the action starts. And I'm uh, super glad to have Mrigan. How are you, buddy? How are you doing this morning, this afternoon? I'm good, Sakti. Uh, excited to be here and uh, talk more about uh, 
how to protect your cloud workloads uh, when you, you know, start deploying them and start running these applications in your cloud environments. So real quick, and, I, and I'm sorry to interject here. So what's the, what's the background behind Zscaler focusing on workload protection, right? What is the, what's the main catalyst behind this? I know you said, Sakti, a lot of organizations are migrating or adopting some, some workload operations. Um, what are some of the most common use cases um, that customers are transitioning over into a workload architecture or bringing in workload? Maybe? Yeah, great question, Ben. You know, we see really three reasons, right? And the first one is probably very classic um, where customers have a monolithic application and what they do what is called lift and shift, which is I've got an application on premises. I'm just going to take the same application, but I'm going to get the best of all the public cloud goodness. So I'm going to lift my application to speak off and then shift it to public cloud. That's the first sort of use case why this application transformation is happening. The second use case is um, customers go through re-architecting their application. So it is still a homegrown application. It is still maybe a packaged application, but they are re-architecting some of the components that could be for modularity, for scalability, what have you, but it is not the same application. It's been refactored to now sit in the public cloud. That's the second wave of migration that we see. And obviously the third one is born in the cloud, as they say, right? So it is a cloud first, a brand new deployment. It's been architected from the get-go on how to use all the goodies of the public cloud. So irrespective of which one of these um, factors, and it could be a combination of all three in a given enterprise, um, there is a huge push towards getting the workloads from the cloud. The challenge, I think, um, from a security standpoint is customers sometimes um, also think about moving what they're used to in their legacy on-premises data center a way of protecting the workloads, which typically happens to be I've got maybe a certain series of firewalls, maybe a combination of VPNs with some access controls, and I'm going to try to mimic the same product into um, the cloud as well. And I think that's where the challenge comes in. When you asked about what are the challenges and the use cases and what is Zscaler doing to bring zero trust, this is the heart of what we're talking about here, right? And uh, maybe Murugan can share some of, some of the details here. Um, from an architecture standpoint, we fundamentally do not believe that repeating what you had in the data center is going to help you get the most when you migrate to the cloud. And um, as we all know, the zero trust principle is fairly squared uh, with making sure we have a good grasp on the ID, the identity of the user or the workload. And then we peg the least privileged access principles to ensure that one, connectivity is done only when required, right? There is no routable network. There is no free lateral movement once you get into the, the infrastructure. Um, so we bring the same principle. So maybe Brigant, you can share uh, what Zscaler is doing specifically in the concept of identity and bringing workloads into fray. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so there's there's a couple of things. One is um, what does Zscaler bring to the table, right? What what does our Zscaler's zero trust exchange platform provide uh, that can help you? Uh, you Protect your workloads, right? So, 
the zero trust exchange you can think of it as running on more than 150 locations throughout the uh, throughout the world and the platform itself is pretty rich in that it it has five main uh, layers that you can think of so uh, you can that they are connectivity services uh, platform services access control services security services and digital experience really what you're saying is is that Zscaler can bring an entire platform to your workload protection and not just a simple, you know, point solution that you install on a VM or a droplet somewhere or an AWS instance, right? We, we have an entire platform that comes with yeah. all of these, yes. all of these different solutions um, to, to make up your security posture. Is that correct? Absolutely. And to add to that, then, as Sakti was mentioning, then you can layer it with your different types of workload IDs. Now, workloads are unique that in that case, they have different types of IDs, right? You have a, you have a more of a traditional ID, which is sort of an IP address that you can still use. But then you can go one layer up and you can also use um, uh, the tags, user-defined tags in some of these cloud environments that are pretty dynamic and that can be used in your security policies as well. And if you want to go further granular, you can also use a more tightly integrated authentication mechanism such as Kerberos or Digest Auth, which you can which will which can provide a more granular ID and then you can use those to apply your security policy. So you get the platform, but then you also get these additional ways of getting the workload identity and applying policies based on that. And then you can leverage the same thing for your internet connectivity and also private connectivity to prevent lateral movement and so on and so forth. So it's, it's, it's not just a one point product, it's a whole platform that brings a lot of capabilities for your cloud workloads across different clouds as well. And so when we're talking about for securing egress traffic from the public cloud, so we're talking about traffic from the cloud to wherever, right? Yes. And yes. It's really important to understand the traffic coming in, right? We wanna we wanna we wanna validate and authenticate and the traffic coming in, but we want to talk about traffic coming out of the public cloud. So, yes. what 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 challenges are there and 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 that we want to face and and how are we addressing um, that egress traffic? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the most key uh, challenges where you have egress traffic and you want to protect your egress traffic is to make sure you do uh, um, the, you look at the data that is being uh, sent out of your cloud environments as well right data leak or uh, uh, you know uh, uh, data being sent out from your cloud uh, workloads and ec2 instance uh, is being compromised for example and the data is being leaked from there so one of the biggest challenges is how do you prevent that uh, uh, in from your cloud environments. And one of the key for that is SSL inspection, right? You need to be able to do SSL inspection as almost 85 to 90% of web traffic these days is encrypted. So you need to be able to do SSL inspection at scale without impacting the performance. And that's where Zscaler uh, uh, is, uh, is able to perform without any um, restrictions on the scale that you that you would want for your cloud workloads. Now, once your SSL inspection uh, is, is accomplished, then you can use advanced threat protection, you can use data protection, all the different 
layers that are available and services that are available in the Zero Trust Exchange to further provide additional security services. So that's that's kind of key to do it at scale and also easy to operationalize it. Yeah, right. It's a single platform, so it's it's very easy to operationalize the certificate handling, the certificate distribution from the Zscaler platform itself. Yeah, let me just throw in a couple of uh, nuances here because I think it's a very important and key topic SSL inspection because when you compare this in the on-premise and even as the SSL inspection features getting migrated to the cloud, on the on-premise, there were two options that customers were given, right? Either you go with a custom bill, like a chipset. Some vendors will come and claim that, wow, I got a custom chipset and that chipset has been fine-tuned to do SSL inspection and then you need to standardize on my latest hardware gear that can bring the chipset. As we all know, once you go to the cloud, there is no notion of customized chipset. You're all going to have whatever AWS or Azure or GCP or your cloud vendor is going to do. So you have to deal with how you're going to do SSL inspection at scale. The second option the customers were given was you had my hardware and if you want to turn on my turn on SSL inspection, you have to upgrade the hardware because SSL is so, so heavy in terms of computation and suddenly your bandwidth starts to drop, your security services gets um, dropped. Customers were found in this real, real quagmire of, yeah, I understand the need for SSL inspection, but when I turn on SSL inspection, I have to suddenly look at a 3X or 4X increase in my CapEx because I have to go upgrade my hardware. In the cloud world, none of those architectures are gonna work. You can't have an architecture where you can you can, you're forced to scale from a throughput standpoint or bring in a customized ASIC to get that uh, inspection done. So we would put forward that the only way to solve this is a cloud delivered platform where the entire computation is done at scale in the Zscaler platform, not at the point of deployment like a VPC or a region in a public cloud. So I know we are going a little bit into the weeds here, but I, I hope our, our audience can appreciate that. You can't, you can't just do incremental benefits on existing, let's say next-gen firewall, cloud firewall um, options. You need to find a different architecture, a different way of addressing this. And we would obviously put forward that you need to look into what Zscaler is able to do by completely offloading SSL inspection at cloud scale, as Mrigang mentioned, 150 plus data centers across the globe to make sure that we can come true on, on this effort. Sorry, Ben, you were going to add something to yeah, that. No, I think that's great, right? Because, you know, it, it eliminates the need for you to have to have, you know, load balancers and expand out your, your services to be able to handle all of this new traffic just to have security, right? And I had a question though, and this is going to probably sound um, silly, but, um, you know, I'm not in the trenches when it comes to workloads, right? I have kind of a, a, a theoretic, you know, understanding of, as to what's going on out there, but I know a lot of recent, not recent, well, yeah, actually a lot of recent breaches and a lot of recent leaks of information have been coming from, um, certain workload data centers, right? And a lot of that can be distilled down to, well, they just had bad permissions, right? They, they had some old legacy permissions within their environment that someone is able to leverage and they were able to get in there and, and, and do some pretty good damage. 
Um, how does Zscaler in this particular case, how would it fit within that and possibly be able to mitigate something along those lines as far as, you know, bad permission? Yeah, uh, maybe I can give my a quick two cents and Megan, feel free to chime in here. So you're absolutely right when it comes to public cloud, the access configuration manageability um, needs to be really thorough because of the ephemeral nature of the cloud, right? Because we all love what cloud can bring in terms of flexibility. You can turn on services on, 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 this, on, on the throw of a dime and you can scale it at a throw of a dime and there is just a lot of possibilities, unfortunate possibilities for you to get the access permissions not configured correctly. So this is where I think our arguments, our um, idea about pegging the access controls based on identity is such a such a key factor. Um, so yeah. it becomes a huge issue when customers have a pretty open network, a routable network as we call it. So once you have uh, access to a particular, let's say resource, S3 bucket or EC2 or what have you, and if you allow any workload to come or um, have access to any other, you fall into that particular trap. So from an egress traffic, so we're talking about the, the runtime here, from a, from a runtime perspective, how do you protect the access and configuration issues is really, again, putting the, um, the zero trust architecture uh, in place to make sure that the connection outbound can only happen to the resources that um, it is destined to that is being controlled by the policies and no other. Um, and I know we wanted to touch this in, in our podcast a little bit. We provide customers the absolute flexibility in terms of how they define those resources as well, because IP addresses are one to do in public cloud, but let's take tagging as an example, user-defined tags in Amazon. That's a huge, huge form factor in which we have made tight integration um, with with, um, with our product line. So customers are able to get a handle on, even if there is a resource that has maybe not the most fortified access controls, we can use those user-defined tags to ensure from a policy, from a runtime policy perspective, it's simple and um, um, easy to configure um, uh, on, on that front. Miguel, anything you wanted to add? Yeah, yeah, sure. So absolutely, uh, Satya, I agree with you that uh, you need to have different layers of controls as well, right? There's permissions control, but also at runtime, you need to make sure that the uh, the, the cloud workloads, uh, the, the destinations that they're communicating to are also uh, controlled and uh, configured in a primary uh, uh, proper manner. And for uh, for that, Zscaler, at Z, Zscaler, you can, as uh, Sakti pointed out, you can use different levels or different uh, granularities of workload identities. But what's the most exciting piece is that with the addition of uh, user-defined tags and uh, cloud-native attributes, you can now also use a more dynamic sort of workload identity to provide security, not just based on uh, you know static identities, but also a little bit more dynamic. Because as Saki pointed out, the cloud environment are is dynamic, right? You can spin up... Uh, your cloud workloads in the morning, you can spin them down in the evening when the work is done. So how do you protect these dynamic workloads? And um, and then you can, so you can leverage uh, user-defined tags and uh, you can use as many tags as you have configured. There's a limit of uh, 50 in some cloud providers, whatever the limit is uh, that is supported. On top of that, 
uh, user-defined tags, you can also use some of the cloud-native attributes that uh, that uh, can, that are more uh, you know ingrained uh, to a workload, such as uh, your, for example, your uh, ID, your instance ID, your uh, you know security group information, and all these things are uh, pretty tightly controlled by your security team. You can leverage them to have more granular controls for your workloads when they are communicating out to the internet. So you can, uh, for your more sensitive uh, subnets using some subnet ID or VPCs, you can enable SSL inspection and a more tighter uh, 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 control on the destinations that these workloads are going on to. Whereas for some other low risk uh, workloads, you can be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more relaxed uh, to the destinations that they're going to based on the workflows that you need. So, so that's, I think, um, something that all our customers uh, should be doing and they can leverage the platform, the features available to go more, uh, to apply more granular policies in a dynamic environment such as your cloud. Ben, you, you would appreciate yeah. this because I know you are a practitioner as well. You're not just a podcast master here, but I know you can get uh, dangerous deep down into managing some of these systems. Like customers used to really hate, and I'd like to get your honest thoughts on this. Like if I have a thousand, let's say VMs or servers, and all you have is IP addresses for you to apply your security policy, which is what Firewall was, was created to do. The complexity in just keeping track of all these IP addresses, mapping them to what application, what department, what set of users, and then applying the same security policy, the whole complexity of policy management is just a root of what we are talking about here, right? So if there is this concept of user-defined tags in let's say in Amazon or in Azure, what have you, now you can abstract the IP addresses, FQDNs, CIDR blocks, and just say, my user-defined tag says, if it is a finance, business, mission-critical tier one application, I know all the IP addresses and servers and workloads underneath that particular tag, and I can apply the policy just on that particular user tag and um, be assured that you know there is granularity, but also an abstraction of how I manage those IP addresses. Does that resonate um, in terms of just how simplified this is for customers in your view? Yeah, I think from you know my, my minimal experience when it comes to cloud app deployments, um, I remember being on a couple of teams where they were building playbooks on how to deploy servers at scale, right? To be able to meet all of the right security requirements. Um, and those were always fun meetings to be a part of, um, especially from a change management or an access management perspective and having all of those policies in place. Um, and of course it's humans, right? That have to create these playbooks. And so something can easily be missed. Whereas if we had something that just umbrellaed and blanketed over the entire you know environment that we had that said hey we're going to apply these policies based off of the tags that are associated with them um, then you don't have to worry about having out-of-date playbooks or updating dependencies within your deployments of your servers and stuff like that right you can just apply this um, these policies and just and just have them drive drive your entire strategy so um, I think it'd be really cool. Um, of course, I'd have to get into the trenches and figure out exactly how it would work from a from a from a proof of concept perspective. But I'm sold, which really that's all that matters, right? <laughs> Is that I'm sold here, and so we can move on. But no, <laughs> but hey, I think I think a lot of people are also sold 
how do they learn more? I know we have some uh, some things coming up um, as far as uh, some webinars or maybe even some more information or resources. So um, how do I move forward now that I'm sold on this uh, on this amazing offer? Yeah, great question. So anyone, everyone listening to this podcast, this series, please mark your calendar for November 8th. Zscaler will be holding a global virtual event where our own CEO, founder, Jay Chowdhury and the product management team will be unveiling some of our newest innovations to Zero Trust platform, which really would help customers to simplify your cloud workload security. So just go to zscaler.com and then you'll find all the details of uh, how to register. We'll also put some uh, show notes here in this podcast on how you can register for it. But it's November 8th um, is the, the date for the global event and you can find the time and the registration link uh, in our show notes. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that we, uh, we have this listed down below if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're on our community. We'll make sure that we have all the information for the for the launch webinar um, and how to move forward and get more resources. So um, awesome. Uh, Sakti, McGronk, thank you so much. Um, any last parting words or any 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 last points that you want to make before I, I kick you out of here? Thanks for the opportunity and uh, time. And I hope our listeners, you are all curious and excited about this new approach of zero trust to securing cloud workloads. There's definitely a lot to unpack. I'm sure we'll hit you up on maybe one of your um, incoming future episodes, Ben. So definitely stay tuned and uh, we'll uh, look forward to seeing you on November 8th. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it again. And yeah, we'll definitely have you on the next uh, next time and talk more about this. And uh, we're going to have a lot of a lot of future conversation.